one of the NFL football season and John Paulson and I are fired up. It's the most accurate podcast. Last night, we're recording on Friday, so last night was the Thursday night football game between the Bucks and the Cowboys. We'll, we'll take a look at that and then dive into week one and the games count. So joining me right now is John Paulson. John, how are we doing today? I'm actually doing pretty good. My uh, roofing project is done. Uh, we had a, a downpour last night in Southern California. Uh, thunderstorms, massive thunderstorm strikes uh, or lightning strikes. Uh, my dog was freaking out, but uh, the roof held up, so I'm happy to report that. And there's no more noise here, at least for a while. And then that was a great game last night. Uh, of course, Tom Brady, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but of course, Tom Brady pulls out the win. I mean, you can see it coming a mile away. Uh, <laughs> but really fun game um, to watch, a lot of passing. We'll talk about that a little bit later as well. Yeah, I, I'm sure the Cowboys were confident that they could stop them because, that look, they're, they're competitors, right? But I think everybody outside of the, the, the actual Cowboys players figured, yep, okay, too much time on the clock for Brady. Before we dive into the podcast, tell us about the music that brought us in today. Yeah, this is a band, uh, Black Pistol Fire. They might already be on the most accurate podcast playlist, but uh, they've got that uh, Black Keys vibe that we tend to go for on the playlist. Uh, the track is called Look Alive. Um, it's the... Uh, title track for the album look alive from 2021 uh so i'll put that on the most accurate podcast uh, podcast playlist and i'll put a link to that in the show notes hey we've been telling you about underdog fantasy for for a while now and the offer is for a free four for four pro subscription it's a 59 dollar value just for depositing ten dollars at underdog as a new new user it's a no-brainer especially if you're going to use underdog fantasy not only that but underdog will give you a bonus of 25 dollars in your account and our partners at FFPC will give you a $35 credit for one of their leagues if you're a new FFPC user. Again, no-brainer, right? Returning FFPC users, you're going to get a $10 credit, so you're not going to be left out. It's important for you, though, to use the code FOR. Uh, sorry, number four, FOR, number four. So 444.com, think of the number four. Number four, F-O-R, number four. All of that is in caps. That's how you claim your free subscription. For full details, go to bit.ly backslash 444DEAL, and 444DEAL is all in caps. Or you could go to John's Twitter page at 444 underscore John. He's got the the pinned tweet on that information, too, at, at his Twitter page. We've been telling you about this offer now for, for over a month. It's a great deal. We've never had a deal like this, so you want to make sure that you take advantage of it. We've also partnered with Prize Picks to offer a free DFS or betting subscription just for depositing $20 to $35 as a new user at Prize Picks. So if you'd rather get a, a DFS or a betting subscription, great. You can take advantage of the underdog. Uh, if you can't take advantage of the underdog offer, I should say, this deal might be might be perfect for you. Bit.ly backslash prize picks, and prize picks is all in caps. That's where you're going to find details there. And the DFS sub usually costs about $100, $99 or so. Betting subscription is $179, so it's another great way to get a subscription for a huge, huge discount. You'll also get that $35 coupon at FFPC if you're a new user as well. I posted my first betting picks 
last night at 4 for 4. I saw that we've got our prop picks going out now, so there's a lot of great betting content on top of our, our already fantastic fantasy content as well going on at 4for4.com. So make sure you got subscriptions lined up so you can kill it this year in fantasy and betting. Gus Edwards, John, as we dive into the news, just a horrible day for the Ravens yesterday. Not only does Gus Edwards tear his ACL, but Marcus Peters, the fear is that he tore his ACL as well. So two significant pieces on both sides of the ball for the Ravens go down in practice ahead of week one. It's been a brutal offseason for the Ravens. Edwards now joins J.K. Dobbins and Justice Hill on their injured reserve. Tyson Williams was penciled in as the RB2 once Dobbins went down, but after the Hill injury, John, the team added Le'Veon Bell to the practice squad and Trenton Cannon to the 53-man roster. Yesterday, after the Edwards injury, they added Devontae Freeman to the practice squad. He's bounced around now a couple of teams, the latest one being the Saints. They also signed Latavius Murray to the 53-man roster in an incentive-laden deal, so they're arming themselves with some veterans that have not been productive, but they, they need bodies at this point. So the Ravens, they've got five running backs in the fold, John. Taysen, Taysen Williams, Latavius Murray, and Trenton Cannon on the 53-man roster, Le'Veon Bell and Devontae Freeman on the practice squad. Help sort all this out. I know you have I know you have thoughts. I know you've been kind of going through the process of understanding now how the backfield situation shape, shapes up for Baltimore. What's the initial pecking order for this group? Yeah, I was watching some uh, video highlights of uh, Tyson Williams' uh, preseason games, and that's what the announcers were calling him, Tyson. So that's what I'm going to go with. I'm sure you know a listener will correct us or correct me. Um, he played at three colleges in college, which is unusual. North Carolina for a year, South Carolina for two years, and then BYU as a senior. Uh, his stat lines, career stat lines were not great. He saw 233 carries total in four years for 1,120 yards and eight touchdowns, averaged 4.8 yards per carry, which is, I would say, not great for a college player bound you know, for the NFL. Usually we see over five uh, in college. Um, he's, but he's 5'11", 220 pounds, has 4.53 speed, which is pretty good for a guy his size. Uh, he went undrafted in 2020, signed with the, the Ravens late in the summer of last year, and earned a, a spot on the practice squad, practice squad pretty quickly, which was a bit of a surprise. Um, but he stuck with stuck with it in this office offseason. He worked his way into a, uh, a spot on the 53 man roster. He was uh, ahead of Justice Hill. Uh, Hill was prior to the J.K. Dobbins uh, injury. It looked like Hill might be cut. His roster spot was in jeopardy. And uh, Williams was likely going to be the RB3 if Dobbins and Edwards had stayed healthy. Uh, As I said, I watched his uh, preseason highlights, and he um, I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes as well on YouTube. He showed good power, uh, strong runner, uh, moved moved bodies to get to the first down, but he also had pretty good elusiveness. And he has some receiving chops as well. Uh, In the preseason, he uh, carried the ball 24 times for 130 yards, and a touchdown for 5.4 yards per carry, which is pretty funny that he had a higher yards per carry in preseason NFL than he did in college. So I think we need to look more at what he did in the preseason, what the Ravens think of him now, obviously, than what we what he did in college. But I'd like to bring those numbers in so that people have an idea of what he what sort of prospect we're looking at. Um, we'll see how the roster moves shake out. I'm interested to see who's on the 53-man roster for week one. Uh, and who's on the practice squad. Um, And it seems like the news that Murray is going to go straight to the 53-man roster indicates to me that he's ahead of Bell and Freeman, who were added to the practice squad. Uh, 
Uh, Murray is 31 years old while Bell is 29. I'm not really factoring Freeman a whole lot into this competition to be the RB2. Uh, I think it's between Murray and Bell right now. Um, Murray has been productive in the NFL more recently. He had a good year last year. I mean, you, you, you mentioned that he has wasn't very productive. I think you're maybe talking about this year, this preseason. Uh, he looked a little bit uh, slow, and you know he got outplayed by Tony Jones. Uh, but last year he had you know 4.5 yards per carry. Uh, he has over the last two seasons played really well when Alvin Kamara has been uh, you know injured out of the game. He's like posted our, you know fantasy RB one overall RB one numbers, uh, and he can catch the ball as well. So I think that he is probably the leader to be the RB two in this and he has a chance to maybe beat out Williams but I think Williams is going to get a long tryout for the starting job I, I think that they if you look at what they did and when they added people it looked like they were content to go into the season with Tyson Williams as the RB2 behind Gus Edwards they didn't make a move uh, for anybody until the Justice Hill injury and then they went and added Bell and uh, Trenton Cannon uh, and then they added Devonta Freeman and Murray after the Gus Edwards injury. So the team's actions tell me that it's Williams one, and then probably Murray two or three, um, probably two, because uh, Cannon's more of a smaller special teams type guy. Um, so I think Murray is immediately going to go in at two. Uh, Bell has the advantage that he has been there a few days longer. Uh, maybe has a better grasp of the playbook and all that. But I think, you know, in September, we're going to see Williams 1, Murray 2, and then they're going to sort of see how things shake out amongst all those veterans. And uh, if Williams falls flat on his face, then they might start giving more carries to Murray or Bell or somebody else. But um, I think Williams goes into the season as a RB3 type. I think I had him ranked 29th and half PPR in my final set of draft rankings. I have him ranked... Uh, I believe it's RB20 uh, in week one. I think he's going to see a pretty healthy workload given how new everybody is to the team. So I think if you have him, you can start him. Uh, he's obviously the guy that I would add if he's available. I think he should be uh, owned in all formats. And then uh, if you're in dire straits, the next guy I would grab is uh, Murray if he's available. Uh, and he might be because he started, uh, you know, he, his star stopped shining so brightly in, in New Orleans towards the end of the preseason and a lot of drafts, uh, he didn't get picked up or he was a very late round pick and might've gotten cut. So that's the order I go in right now. I'm very interested to see how this all shakes out, but it's a great opportunity for Williams. And I think he's going to run with it. Speaking of running with it, Saquon Barkley was limited to practice, but he does look like he's going to, pl- he's going to play. Excuse me. What, what's your best advice, John, to Saquon Barkley owners? Uh, well, I would say that he's been a, he's a player that I've been sort of avoiding, um, but I, I have him ranked as a low end RB one this week. I think it's a tough matchup with the Broncos, and uh, we're not sure exactly how many touches he's going to get. Uh, the, the The good thing for Barkley is he he's very capable of adding you know five plus catches uh, as a receiver and and score fantasy points that way. Because I think there might be some problems running the ball. Uh, behind this offensive line, especially against uh, a good defense like Denver. And, uh, you know, I, I am a little worried that they're going to limit his workload. But, uh, you know, it's Barkley, so if he's out there, you pretty much have to start him as a low-end RB1. Austin Eckler, since we're talking about running backs, he's got the hamstring injury. He did not practice on Wednesday and Thursday, but PFF's Doug Keed reports that the team is optimistic that he'll be able to play. Are you optimistic as well? Uh 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, you look at his Twitter feed and he's, you know, he, his most recent, one of his most recent tweets was about how he's ready to go and excited to play and this sort of injury or something popped up after that, or at least his not playing. But, I, you know, my feeling on this right now, and we'll see what he does today. This is the key day. If, there, if he's a, a, a DNP today, then something's, they're really, you know, kind of worried about his hamstring. I think maybe he felt a twinge and they are just being really cautious because he's got a history of hamstring injuries. Uh, and they just wanted to give him as much rest as possible on Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, he was working off to the side uh, on Wednesday for sure. I'm not sure about Thursday, but that indicates that he's not horribly sore or there's a big problem because usually those players are just in getting treatment and not working on the side. So uh, we'll see. What, we'll see. You know, it's Friday morning right now. We'll see this afternoon where he's at. Uh, if he practices or he's even limited, then I'm pretty sure he'll he'll be out there uh, on Sunday. The the pickup there I think is Justin Jackson. He seems to be the RB2 there. Uh, if you are hurting at running back, if you were part of this whole Baltimore uh, apocalypse, running running back apocalypse, and you know want another uh, you know bet to place on somebody, I think Justin Jackson, uh, you know, if, if Eckler's a hamstring is a problem, then he's going to be the biggest uh, touch getter in that backfield. Um, Joshua Kelly, and they've got Larry Roundtree and, and, and stuff, but Jackson's got that. Uh, receiving ability that you know could mirror what Eckler does. It'd probably be a committee, but I think Jackson would lead that committee. DeAndre Swift's got the groin injury, did take full reps on Wednesday and Thursday. The Lions indicated that he wouldn't be on a snap or touch count against the 49ers. Where do you have him in your rankings? Yeah, I think if you drafted him, you can start him as an RB2. You probably have him as your RB2. You might have him as your RB1 if you went wide receiver early or tight end early. Uh you know, I'm a little worried about the groin. Uh, I'm a little worried about the matchup against the 49ers, who should be much more healthy on uh, defense. Uh, I'm a little worried about Jamal Williams, but uh, Swift is clearly the best player in that backfield, and uh, they've, they've, they're not talking about limiting his reps at all. It sounds like if he's playing well, they're going to keep him in there. I think on the flip side, if Jamal Williams is playing well, then they're going to keep him in there. So it's just something to monitor uh, as the season begins. Let's talk about now Swift's teammate, Kenny, uh, former teammate, I should say. He's with the Giants now. Kenny Galladay, he's dealing with the hamstring injury. What do you, what do, you do with, with Galladay based on not only the hamstring injury, but also the matchup? Yeah, and now I'm just seeing his name and starting to chuckle because I uh, remember my conversation with Pat Fitzmaurice. I, I co-own a uh, main event team with him for the first time and he talked me into Galladay and uh, I didn't want the, I didn't want him but <laughs> it was an, I think it was eighth round pick and um, we was we were you know, you know up against the clock and we have him so now I've got I've rostered him I don't um, I don't have too many shares of Mr. Galladay uh, I've been kind of avoiding him since the hamstring injury popped up because he's just kind of behind the eight ball with this you know changing teams he's got a quarterback downgrade uh, and on top of it, he's missed practice, loads of practice, so he doesn't have much of a, uh, you know, a, a vibe or anything going with uh, rapport going with with uh, Daniel Jones. And on top of that, uh, Denver's got a really good secondary. This is probably going to be a pretty low-scoring game, so I'm just trying to avoid starting Kenny Galladay. I want to see him produce before I'm going to put him in my starting lineup. All right, how about Curtis Samuel dealing with the groin injury? Did not practice Thursday. Yeah, I saw his last. Uh, Route that he ran didn't look good. He took off his helmet, kind of had his head down as he went to the sideline, it, it, and then he didn't didn't practice yesterday. I think he's looking very iffy for this week. They might just shut him down until that groin healed enough to give it another go. Uh, this is a bummer because I really wanted to see him in this offense with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Terry McLaurin and 
and all that. But I think it's an opportunity for Diami Brown, uh, who apparently has looked really good in practice. He's uh, hasn't looked like a rookie, according to Fitzpatrick, uh, and is the most likely player to you know fill Samuel's role on the outside. And Adam Humphreys would probably pick up some slot snaps. Uh, but Brown is a player if you're if you're in a pinch at receiver, you just want to add some upside. Uh, there's, there's he's got an opportunity ahead of him if this growing injury lingers or is a problem uh, for longer than just a couple of weeks then brown has a real opportunity to, to post uh, starter type numbers continuing our injury discussion let's talk about traquan smith he's got the hamstring injury did not practice on thursday yeah this is another bummer because uh he's been kind of out this whole preseason and marquez callaway was grabbing all the spotlight and Traycron actually has more of a receiving resume uh, in the league. And uh, I was interested to see what he would do with Michael Thomas sideline for the first half of the season, probably. So um, he's looking certainly iffy for week one. I think this boosts Callaway a little bit. And you, you wonder who's going to be the uh, the number two uh, receiver there in, in New Orleans. You know, Deontay uh, Harris uh, has played... Some uh, might be little little Jordan Humphrey, who has one of the greatest names ever, L I L apostrophe Jordan. Uh, he might end up, you know, being the number two receiver there, uh, opposite Callaway. And then you've got uh, Troutman trying to work his way back at tight end. So you, you know, Juwan Johnson might see a lot of targets this week, especially if Troutman's out. Uh, so from from a DFS standpoint, there's some cheap plays here. Uh, sorry, season long, I wouldn't want to start anybody uh, other than Callaway. Uh, right now, uh, not knowing what, what this offense is going to look like or how these targets are going to be distributed. And then one more injury note. Let's talk about a tight end. Evan Ingram, calf injury, did not did not practice on Thursday. Yeah, and calf in- injuries are pretty tricky. Uh, this might linger uh, a few weeks. I think for the time being, you're going to see Kyle Rudolph step into his role. Uh, probably the targets are going more towards the receivers, so Sterling Shepard, um, Darius Slayton might benefit if if uh, Galladay can't go or is limited, so those players might have some surprising uh, stat lines, uh, you know, in week one, week two, if if Ingram and, and Galladay are out or limited. All right, we're going to discuss the Thursday night game and go over a few of John's sneaky starts. But first, hey, have you done all the hard work on your f- football fantasy roster this week? How about you take all the hard work and turn it into real cash with prize picks? Simply pick two or more players and decide if they will either go over or under their stat projection. You can download the prize picks apps today or visit prizepicks.com. And if you deposit this week with the promo code 4 for 4, it's the number 4, F O R number 4, you'll get a $100 instant deposit bonus, match dollar for dollar by Price Picks. And Price Picks is hands down the most fun, fast, and easy way to play daily fantasy sports. PricePicks.com. Sign up, play today. It's great, especially if you're a prop better, if you enjoy not only the spreads and the totals of games, but also looking at the prop plays and you feel like you're pretty good at them. Price Picks is where it's at. So you want to make sure you check them out. Let's talk about Thursday night. What what a way to start off the NFL season than with a, a, a Tom Brady come-from-behind come victory. I was very surprised that Dak Prescott and the Cowboys played as well as they did, John. They hung with the, the, the defending champs and, you know, scoring 29 points. I know they got, got some turnovers and things like that that benefited them, but scoring 29 points against that defense is, is very good. Let's talk about the Buccaneers first. Tom Brady, 32 of 50, four touchdowns. He did have the two picks. Neither were his fault. 
379 yards for the GOAT. Leonard Fournette rushed nine times for 32 yards. Ronald Jones, the second, took the back seat to Leonard Fournette. He had four carries for 14 yards. Antonio Brown turned back the clock, as did Rob Gronkowski. Antonio Brown, five catches, 121 yards, and a touchdown. Gronkowski, eight catches, 90 yards, two touchdowns. Chris Godwin had a great night and a frustrating night. He had nine catches for 105 yards and a touchdown, so he certainly helped fantasy owners. Uh, but he also fumbled as the Buccaneers potentially salted away uh, uh, the game late. He had a big drop when Tom Brady put it in his basket on the, on the, on the previous drive. So great night for Godwin fantasy-wise, rough night for him from a football standpoint. Leonard Fournette also caught five passes for 27 yards. Mike Evans, quiet night, three, three receptions on six targets for 24 yards. What stood out for you for the Buccaneers? Yeah, I think from the Bucs' standpoint, you know, they passed a lot, 50 pass attempts, 14 uh, carries. Leonard Fournette led the way in the backfield with 50, uh, 14 touches. Ronald Jones had a fumble. He got benched after his four carries, so he's going to be a frustrating uh, player to roster this year. And uh, Giovanni Bernard, two catches for 12 yards and three targets. So, And he only played 17 snaps, according to PFF's uh, Nathan Janke. So uh, I don't think that he's going to turn into the next James White just yet. Uh, it might still happen, but it's possible that it doesn't. It uh, looks like Fournette's the lead back there right now. Uh, Mike Evans, just six targets. Uh, Antonio Brown had seven targets, though, so it wasn't a huge target share jump you know, from, from Evans to Brown. Godwin had 14 targets, so I think he's the big winner here in terms of what his role is likely to be in this passing game. And, uh, you know, you mentioned he had a tough game with the turnover and the drop, and I give him a pass. I mean, I, mean, I love Chris Godwin, so yeah, I'm going to have to give him a pass on the – Fumble, you know, he spin, he had the spin move and got hit right away. That was a tough one to hold on to. And I think the, I think Collinsworth mentioned that the, if you're talking about the same drop as the, when he was looking over his left shoulder and had to look over his right shoulder and quickly get the ball, that's a tough one uh, to catch as well. So I give him a pass on that. Uh, the nine catches for 105 yards. Had the great route on the touchdown as well. So I think uh, if you're rostering Chris Godwin right now, you got to be pretty happy with his involvement in this game. Along with uh, Gronkowski, I mean, he just he looked a little bit more spry. Uh, I think he looked a little quicker, maybe. But it's also the first game of the season, so we'll see how he's doing midseason. But you know, he's looking like a tight end one right now, uh, given his involvement. I mean, eight targets. Uh, you know, you weren't expecting that out of him, uh, especially with OJ Howard back and Cameron Brait. But it looks like uh, he's pretty involved in the passing game right now. Let's uh, talk about the Cowboys now. Dak Prescott put the ball in the air 58 times. He completed 42 passes, 403 yards, and a pretty healthy 6.9 yards per attempt clip. So it wasn't Brady 7.6, but it wasn't like Dak Prescott was simply dinking and, and dunking down the field. Three touchdowns and an interception for Dak. Ezekiel Elliott rushed the ball only 11 times for 33 yards. He did have two catches on two targets for uh, an additional six yards, but an otherwise disappointing night out of Zeke. Amari Cooper went off 13 catches on 16 targets, 139 yards and two touchdowns. So clearly Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper are going to be best friends again this year. CeeDee Lamb, seven catches, 104 yards and a touchdown for him. Dalton Schultz, six catches for 45 yards. He saw six, six targets, so he caught all six of them. Michael Gallup, four catches for 36 yards. Anybody else stand out or what stood out from the Dallas viewpoint from last night? Yeah, well, 58 
pass attempts, 18 rush attempts uh, in a game that was pretty competitive the whole way. So you could see that the Cowboys were, you know, came in thinking that they weren't going to run the ball down the, the Bucks' throats and they weren't going to force feed Elliott in this situation. And they wanted to throw the ball all over the field with their great receiving core. Uh, you know, Gallup even looked good prior to the ankle injury. He was very involved in the, in the game. Uh, and Wilson ended up getting three targets. At, I think, I don't know if all three happened after the Gallup injury but that might have ended up he might have ended up with 10 targets himself if he had been able to stay in the game uh the interesting thing in fantasy drafts this year was that lamb was going ahead of cooper and i think i had that that's the way i had him ranked but i had them very close and uh drafters had lamb significantly ahead of cooper lamb was going you know early third round and cooper was sometimes in the middle, middle of the fourth so it does not look like cooper is going to relinquish the wide receiver one role in Dallas anytime soon. He was great. And, uh, deck look for both players, you know, early and often. Uh, I know there's some panic in the streets, uh, about Ezekiel Elliott, but I wouldn't worry too much about it. I think this was a game plan specific to the bucks. And if they, uh, faced a softer, uh, run defense that he's more likely to be, uh, involved. And I think, you know, he's more likely to score more fantasy points, certainly score touchdowns. I would be a little bit alarmed that he only had two catches or and yeah, two catches on two targets, given the fact that there's 58 pass attempts. So you'd like to see a game like this uh, where they're going to go pass heavy, them scheme him some more touches in the open field and get him some more screens or dump offs or something to get the ball in his hands to get him involved if he's only going to have 11 carries. So that's the one sort of caveat I, I give there. I think this is a good time to sort of send out a couple trade uh, offers for Elliott. Uh, send them some RB2 types for uh, see if people, anybody bites. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think this was a, a fun game overall, and it just shows how pass-happy both teams were. Uh, you know, the Bucks didn't necessarily need to go that route, uh, but they did. And, uh, you know, it makes more sense from the Dallas perspective to, to go pretty pass-heavy. Um, but, you know, 50-plus pass attempts for both teams, that's pretty wild. All right, time for some sneaky starts back. With popular demands, sneaky starts time. I love your quarter, one of your quarterbacks uh, that, that you listed. We're going to talk about John Jimmy Garoppolo. He's got a great matchup against the Lions. I don't think the Lions are going to be good this year. And I, a little little sneak preview for those that want to read my my picks article for Week One. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have a big year this year. I really do. But let's focus in on Week One and why you have Jimmy G as one of your quarterbacks for a sneaky start. Yeah, I was going to ask uh, if did you just love him this week or did you love him long term? Because it seems like everybody thinks that Trey Lance is going to be taking over at some point. He does have a finger injury, so that might be on pause, even if Garoppolo struggles a little bit here or there. But I don't think he's going to struggle week one. Uh, Detroit's, you know, year after year, one of the worst uh, defenses, best matchups for opposing offenses. And in this case, uh, you know, Garoppolo over eight yards per attempt when, you know, quarterback in the 49ers, he's got all of his weapons uh, healthy and ready to go so I, I expect a big game out of him in week one all right let's talk about a running back and by the way you can find john's sneaky starts article at four for you can check out the entire list of sneaky starts for him javante williams you like the matchup against the giants and williams uh looks looking like he's going to be the rb1 for the broncos this year yeah this is i don't know if i like the matchup so much the giants Defense is pretty good. I think, you know, they're okay against uh, running backs. If you look at fantasy points allowed uh, last year, but, you know, things are a little bit different this year. But 
you know, I would have probably put Tyson Williams as my main guy to talk about right now. We talked about him so much at the start that I had to pick another. And just kind of looking at the list, I think Javante kind of excites me the most this week. I mean, the other guys, I guess, would be Raheem Mostert and Trey Sermon. But we just talked about the 49ers, so I don't want to pick on the Lions too much. <laughs> Especially with Josh Moore, uh, you know, the uh, <laughs> guy in charge of the site being <laughs> such a big Lions fan. Um so Javante, Vic Vangio just said on, on Williams, he said, quote, he's earned that trust and we're not at all against playing him in any situation, any time of game, end quote. Um, I think he's going to have a big role, even if he's not the starter or necessarily leads the team in touches in the first week. I think he might lead the team in touches the first week. I think he's the best fantasy play, perhaps for that reason. Um, but just seems like there's a steady drumbeat of positive buzz to come out about him and his teammates have compared him to Alvin Kamara. I think that was uh, Ted Bridgewater uh, just compared him to Alvin Kamara. Um, they did rest him in the final, you know, playoff or preseason games. And I think that was a sign that they wanted to keep him in bubble wrap. Uh, and he's, just, you know, doesn't need the reps. He's ready to go. So that indicates to me that, you know, maybe he does is going to have the lead uh, in this backfield, but we'll, we'll have to wait in, uh, until Sunday to see, see exactly what happens. Uh, by the way, I, I know I'm bouncing around a little bit, and we, we got two more sneaky starts I do want to get to with John, but one of the reasons why I, I don't think that Trey Lance, going back to that conversation, one of the reasons why I don't think Trey Lance will take over for Jimmy G at, at some point, at least not in the first eight to ten games. And even then, I, I, I really believe that we're just going to see Trey Lance kind of work his way in. Uh, certain packages, I'm sure we'll see him throughout the course of the year. But Jimmy G is going to remain the starter. But the biggest reason I feel that way is because Kyle Shanahan's offense is extremely difficult to learn in year one. Go back through and, and look at the quarterbacks and how they fared in year two compared to year one in in um, Kyle Shanahan's offense. Matt Ryan's the biggest example of that. He There's a lot of people that thought, well, they're just going to have to get rid of Kyle Shanahan because he's not he's not working well with Ryan after, after the first year is a disaster. He won the MVP, should have won the Super Bowl in year two. So I think that with Trey Lance not playing a lot of football over the last couple of years, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a minute before he takes over as the full-time starter, barring injury, of course. So that's that's kind of my my short and sweet version of why I think Jimmy G is going to have a, a big year and stay the starter. Back to your sneaky starts article, John. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Green Bay, Saints. Saints got all kinds of cornerback issues. This one's not going to be played in, in um, the Superdome. It's going, to play, it's going to be played in Jacksonville with the, the hurricane issue, of course, and the, the weather conditions for the city of New Orleans. So what do you think about Marquez Valdez-Scantling in Jacksonville to play Saints? Yeah, there, another, this is another steady drumbeat of positive news, and I, you know, I get that they've, he's had positive camps before, and I think he did take a step forward last season. He still struggled with some drops and, and, and such, but apparently – this camp, he just looks like he's the number two receiver with a bullet for the for the Packers. Uh, just some quotes from this um, really long <laughs> article in the Athletic, where they basically got quotes from everybody uh, regarding MVS. Um, it says the biggest upgrades, though, at least when it comes to helping the Packers, are with his releases, the diversity in his route running, and his patch, pass catching skills. Uh, improvements in all three, which were lacking in years past, have been evident this preseason. Uh, this is the writer, and I have an uh, article here to make sure to give credit. Matt Schneiderman uh, is the, the writer of this, the beat writer. 
And then he hasn't dropped at all, at least in periods, uh, open reporters. Uh, Matt LaFleur said he's seen the guy do a total 180, quote-unquote. He's gone to he's going to be a big part of what we do moving forward. Uh, OC Nathaniel Hackett, quote, I think for him his precision and route running has improved dramatically. Uh, wide receiver quote, coach uh, Jason Vrabel, if you were watching the tape, I think he's like 80% completion right now against live reps, so he's com- completing balls deep, short, and across the field. And most importantly, of course, Aaron Rodgers, quote, I think he's so subtle, mentally very clear, very present. There's habits that go along with that. I think they're interchangeable, personal, professional. He's become a true professional. There were times a couple years ago where we didn't know if we could count on him because he was inconsistent with his practice habits and his daily habits. But that's not the Marquez that I know now. He's a way different person, end quote. So uh, we picked him up in our uh, Hall of Fantasy League. The ball, he's now a Boston Barfly. <laughs> Uh, we may have to start him this week because we are facing uh, Amari Cooper, and uh, we need a big, you know, big game. A big, we, uh, we have Aaron Rodgers, so it'd be nice to get a you know a touchdown or two out of to, to MVS and to kind of swing this matchup back. But um, no, I think he's uh, this is an interesting spot for him, uh, and he did have a couple of good games in Week One. Uh, the last two seasons, he had six targets both times. In 2019, he had four catches for 52 yards. Uh, and then last year, he had four for 96 and a touchdown on six targets. So they do see, tend to look for him early in the season, at least the last two seasons he's gotten six targets each game. So um, I kind of like this with the focus on uh, Devontae Adams. Let's see if MVS really had this great offseason and is ready to, to take the mantle as a wide receiver too there. I love it because he's also a member of the dirtiest of birds in our league so i'm uh i'm looking at my roster now i'm sure i've got a spot for him dirtiest of birds have been in rebuild mode for the last couple of years so (laughs) Uh, feel good about this year though we'll see all right um last last uh last guy john let's talk about let's let's give everybody a tight end how about tyler conklin of the vikings at cincinnati yeah if you're in a tough spot at tight end or you just want maybe somebody that could come in and you know, have a good game week one. Maybe he could start for you long-term. Tyler Conklin with uh, Irv Smith out for the year. Last year he had uh, four games as the starter with Kyle Rudolph out, and he posted uh, top 15 fantasy tight end numbers, which is nothing, you know, special, but he was very involved in the offense. He was regularly involved. He caught a touchdown. Uh, and I think, you know, with with Irv Smith out, he's probably the third option after uh, as far as receivers go after Justin Jefferson and, and Adam Thielen. Obviously, Delvin Cook will be involved as well, but Conklin could see, you know, five to seven targets um, per week, uh, probably closer to five. But, you know, if he's involved and he's, you know, they start designing some stuff for him in the red zone to sort of take advantage of all the attention being paid to these other receivers and Cook, uh, he could he could score, you know, six to eight touchdowns as well. So I think he's a pretty good play at Cincy. All right, that wraps it up for this week. Don't forget to take advantage of that promo with Underdog and lock in your pro subscription at 444, the link is bit.ly backslash 444 deal that 444 deal part all in caps if you want a dfs or betting subscription then hit bit.ly backslash prize picks prize picks all in caps for all the details good luck this week in week one whether you're doing the year-long fantasy and or your dfs uh john and i will return next week for week two can't believe it's uh already the start of the football season john but we're certainly fired up and we'll, we'll continue to bring you great content throughout the course of the year for the uh, right here on the Most Accurate Podcast. With John Paulson, I'm Anthony Stoltz. We'll see you next week.
Shut it down.